I wonder if trees become insecure when their leaves start falling off. Like, oh no, now people can actually see what I look like. You know what's so funny about it, though, is us in our own lives, when the facade of success, when the look of beauty, when glamour and fruit and all those things that are on the outside of us, when those things begin to fall off, I think a lot of times we begin to get so insecure and say, well, what will they think about me? If I'm not producing this and this and this and this, what are people going to think about me? You see, trees do not question themselves. They don't grow insecure when they lose their leaves and their fruit. Why? Because they're a tree either way, with or without leaves, they are trees. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. Whether or not your life is producing the things that you think it should be producing, you are a child of God, regardless. Amen? That's good news. That's such good news. And we can learn a lot if we can really take that into our souls, into our spirits and say, you know what, God, no matter what my life looks like right now, no matter if the finances there are are not there, no matter what my relationships feel like, no matter how my kids are behaving or not behaving, I know who I am. I know who I am. And just like that tree remains a tree through the winter, I will remain a son or a daughter of God through the difficult seasons in life. Everybody say roots before fruits. God made you this way. He made you this way. And every single season is there for a reason. And so there's something I want to talk about. Positional living versus performance-driven living. And so we're going to read a story now. We're going to get into some scripture. This is in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. It says this. When Jesus was baptized... Immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. There's something drastic that we can grasp out of this story. Jesus hasn't performed a single miracle. He hasn't performed a single miracle in his life that's recorded that we know of in the Gospels just yet. And before he can do anything to demonstrate that he is who he is, God himself comes and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I think many of us in this room may be trying to earn something from God. God, see me as good enough. See me as beautiful enough. God, see the works that I'm doing and this and that and this and that. And through that, we think we're going to earn the approval of God. What we need to understand is the approval's already there. God already is pleased with you. This is mind-blowing for me. God is pleased with you. I want you to analyze your life and look at the worst thing that you've done this week. Guess what? God is still pleased to call you his. He is still pleased to call you his. And that is mind-blowing love. The word says that it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance, not the brutality of judgment and, and, and condemnation. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. When we can begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, regardless of what our season is, we can begin to live out of love because we're so full of love. Amen? Amen, amen. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. It just is. Ephesians 1, 7 says this. In him, speaking of Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he, I love this. I love this wording, which he lavished upon us. He lavished upon us. Does anybody like butter? Yeah, I love butter. I love butter. Every Thanksgiving, which I'm so excited for, by the way. Oh my gosh, I'm hungry right now. I need to finish this sermon and get out of here because I really got to go eat. Every Thanksgiving, 
Man, those like little cheap dinner rolls that they sell at Albertsons, like my favorite thing. Oh my gosh, they're so bad for you. They're so, I don't even know if it's actually bread, but it's okay. It's okay. It's still good, okay? It's still wonderful. And I lavish those things in butter. Why? Because it's healthy for me, okay? Just get over it. It's so good. And, and then our beautiful New Mexico tradition, I lavish my potatoes and my turkey and my ham. I'm just trying to make you hungry so you want to leave, okay? I lavish those things in red chili. Oh my gosh, just cover them. That's the context, that's, that's the understanding that this word brings. Lavished means to be completely drenched in something. His grace and his love towards you, he has drenched you in it. He has soaked you in it. You have marinated in his love. And that is not going away regardless of what season you were in. Regardless of the fruit in your life or not, you are lavished in his love and his grace. It is a gift. Everybody say amen. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. A couple of years ago, I saw, I mean, I've been a youth pastor for, gosh, I don't even know how long it's been now. Six years? Seven years almost? I've been a youth pastor. And when I became a youth pastor, I was like really, I mean, I came from a, a youth pastor who was like really hardcore. And it was really good for me. Like he was really disciplined, strict, and straight up. And so I came in thinking I could be him for my students, and I was like really hard on my students, man. Like, you would be blown away the expectations we had on our kids at this youth group. And it's been very fruitful. It's been very beautiful. But sometimes I realized, man, I went way too far on that one. I remember I used to preach like some ridiculous sermons, like, if your life isn't producing fruit, are you a Christian? And the kids are like, I don't know. Like, and it's just like, (laughs) yeah, we've all been there. Come on. Good intentions. I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, I remembered. I remembered. Right, are you guys ready for this one? There was one night we were having a leaders meeting, and I've been surrounded with some of the most incredible people to, to minister side by side with. My leadership team's been incredible for years. It's been awesome. And we're, one night we were having this prayer meeting because that's what spiritual people do. They get together in a house and they have a prayer meeting and they dim the lights and you put on quiet music in the background and then everybody kind of walks throughout the room. That's what we did, you know? And so we're kind of walking throughout the room. I'm like hardcore about it. Like I'm all, I'm going for it. Like God, I'm going to break through tonight. I'm going to break through. Every kid's going to get saved at least three times this week. Like they're going to have like ridiculous encounters with you. And I'm praying and I'm like in the corner of my house because corners are more holy than the center for some reason. And so I'm there in the corner and I'm like on my knees like God and I have my Bible there and I'm just kind of like shaking it. I don't know what's happening and, and I'm looking for something to read and then I'm just like, God, come on, God, talk to me. Like I'm here, I'm here. I'm begging you, speak to me. And nothing happened. Like absolutely nothing happened. And I got so frustrated, so mad. God, I am here. I am serious about this. Look at how good I'm praying. Like I'm so good at this. Why aren't you here? Why aren't you showing up? Who knows God speaks in stillness? I gave up that night. I was just like, this isn't working. And I sat down on, I just, I just sat Indian style. I was just there, just like staring at the wall. Like, well, that was a good night, I guess. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I got anything. And then I heard the voice of God within. He said, stop trying so hard. Stop trying so hard. And then he finished it with this. Just let me love you. Stop trying so hard and just let me love you. That is beautiful news. And it shook and broke something inside of me, this religious attitude and spirit that I had carried around on my own self. It shattered that in me. 
And you can ask my students since then. It's been, I mean, it's been miraculous, the, the trans, transformation that God's done in my life since then as to how to connect with people and connect people with Jesus. And it's just that, man, stop trying so hard and let him love you. I think a lot of times, again, we misunderstand our season, and sometimes we enter into a winter season, and that's part of life, and you need to get over it. That's part of life. That is part of the transition. It's part of the process. Winter seasons come and winter seasons go. You know what trees aren't doing? They're not sitting there like, like flexing their muscles, like trying to squeeze fruit out of themselves. Like, dang it, I really got to produce some fruit. Otherwise, somebody's going to think I'm an awful tree. But so often, we as Christians, we're forcing things, man. We try to force so much. We try to force so much. And yes, there's a place for passion and there's a place, there's a place for, for hard work. There's a place for effort. That all fits in there somewhere. But make sure you're not trying to force. I mean, you don't see people harvesting crops in the middle of the winter. That's just stupid. They would freeze to death. It's just not a good idea. You need to understand the season that your life is in and you need to be okay with it. Amen? Because God loves you regardless of wherever you're at. Matthew 4 continues. So we just, we just read about the baptism of Jesus. This is this public moment where God and the Holy Spirit, cool fun fact, I mean, in, in Hebrew culture, when a rabbi reached the age of 30, or when a, when, a per, when a student, I should say, reached the age of 30 and they were trying to become a rabbi, two other approved rabbis, rabbis that had already been rabbis, they had to come to this student and they had to each put a hand on him and say, I I am well pleased. They actually would say that. I'm well pleased with this one. And then they would approve him as a new rabbi. That would, that would officiate his rabbiness, I guess. <laughs> I don't even know what that would be. And what we see here in the text is just beautiful. I just love the way God does things, even using just culture. Because when the readers of, when, when the first readers read the gospel of Matthew, they were Jewish people. And so when they read this, they would, they noticed, oh my gosh, Jesus is being officiated to us as a master teacher. And so what happens is you have the two there. You have John the Baptist who is baptizing Jesus. He is approved of him. John the Baptist, it's actually believed by scholars, was a rabbi himself. He was called teacher and rabbi. And then immediately after that, you have God himself descending like a dove from heaven, approving Jesus. That's probably the greatest officiation service I've ever seen. I think, I wish when I got ordained, like a dove came out and just like descended upon me. It was like, yes, this one or something, you know, that'd have been awesome. What's beautiful is his springtime, though, this moment of promise, this moment of, of um, proclamation that he is the one, that he is the Messiah, this is the Son of God. Notice what comes immediately after Jesus' baptism. In Matthew chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus, so immediately then, right after that, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's fun. That's fun. I mean, a lot of us want that. Like, yes, I just got baptized on Sunday, and then the Holy Spirit's going to lead me into a wilderness. Woo! You know? And sometimes that's how life is. Sometimes you get anointed. Sometimes you get called. Sometimes God speaks promise over your life, and immediately afterward, you find yourself in this winter, in this wilderness, wondering, God, where are you, and what are you doing? But it says he was led by the Spirit into this moment into the wilderness to be tempted. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, I have a hard time fasting one day, okay? He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I'm just going to be honest about it. And you can judge me super spiritually, but I don't think you can fast for two days. Who can fast for two days? I'm just kidding. Let's not have that competition. If you raised your hand, there's your reward. Boom. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Joke. 
I'm just kidding. Man, that was a bad one. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, obviously. And the tempter came and said to him, listen to this. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. If you are the son of God, command these loaves to be turned into bread. Would it have been sin for Jesus to turn loaves or bre- yeah, turn stones into, into bread? No. It would not have been wrong for Jesus to turn stones into bread. He's completely 100% capable. You know what was happening? Jesus understood the season that he was in. And he knew it wasn't time. It wasn't time for him to start doing this. And get, I mean, catch this. Catch what Satan, what the enemy, what you, and you all have an enemy. Catch what the enemy questions first and foremost. He says, if you are the son of God. What just happened at the end of chapter 3? God just descended, like the Holy Spirit came down as a dove. God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The enemy will always, first and foremost, question your identity. He will always, first and foremost, question your identity. Because if he can get you to believe that there's something wrong about you, then the whole game's over. If he can get you to start questioning everything about you, then the game is over. Jesus stood firm in who he was, in what God had just spoken over his life. He knew who he was, and he responds, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when he says that, every word that comes from the mouth of God, that includes the word God just spoke over his life. And for a lot of you, God has spoken so many promises to you, and you may still be waiting You may find yourself in the wilderness today, and I want to tell you, the answer is not to start questioning, did I mess it up? Did I mess it up? Did I mess it up? No, he has lavished you in love. He has lavished you in forgiveness. The point is this, remain firm in what God has spoken. You are a son. You are a daughter, and it doesn't matter what your track record looks like because that's not what you're going to be held to. You're held to the righteousness of Christ. He did it for you. He lived the life that you can't live so that you can have the future that you never could have without him. It's not about our fruit. It's not about what we can force and produce in those seasons. It is about, do I know who I am? And you don't see trees covering themselves up, trying to act like there's something that they're not, trying to convince themselves, I'm still a tree, I'm still a tree. They're not giving themselves pep talks in the mirror, I'm still a tree, No, they know their creator. All of creation praises our father all the time. It's just what happens. They know where they came from. They know who their creator is. And so they can remain firm in the winter seasons. They can remain firm and true in the winter seasons. Everybody say amen. Amen. I'm going to move on from that verse. If you aren't rooted in who you are, insecurity will absolutely consume you. If you are not rooted in who you are, insecurity will absolutely consume you. And I know so many of us, if not all of us, know exactly what that means. I'm not a good enough father. I'm not a good enough mother. I'm not a good enough son or daughter. I'm not a good enough, I'm not good enough at my job. I'm not good enough at this. If you know who you are, it doesn't matter what you can produce because you know who you are. And that is something that I want you to understand. Don't misunderstand your season. Don't throw away your confidence. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. This is where we're going to start talking about roots. It says, so these three things continue forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So let me clarify something. 
Because what I don't want you to understand, what I don't want you to walk away from this morning is like, oh, well, I'm in a winter season. I could just hate everybody then. Sweet. I'm just, I'm just understanding my season. Get away from me. Like, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. First Corinthians says there are three things that last forever. These would be the evergreens of trees. Or, more appropriately, these would be the roots of a tree. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. So no matter what your life looks like, looks like, hold on to faith. You stay rooted. You stay grounded in your faith. You are accepted by Jesus Christ. That's faith. It's for right now. Faith is for right now. God has done this. I do have this standing with him. I am in relationship with him. He is with me. He is for me. I am rooted in my faith. The next one is hope. Hope is about what's coming next. Hope is I know I will be with him forever and always. I know, I I may not know the future, but I know who holds the future and that's enough for me. That's hope. That's hope. And love is the reason why Christians are here in the first place. We breathe love. We are here to breathe love. Love is God. God is love. It is his very essence of who he is, love. These three things never fade. So here's what I want you to do. Self-analysis is faith, hope, or love. Are those things that, that you do not find in your life? And I'm not saying they're not there. What I'm saying is get back in touch with your roots. Get back in touch with your roots because they exist. Whether you believe in that or not, they exist. They are always there. They are eternal from beginning to end. They are a part of God and they were, they're not going anywhere. Faith, hope, and love remain. This is our confidence. This is who we are. This is what God has made us to be. And no matter what season we're in, those things are always there. Those are roots, not fruit. And that's something I want you to understand. Love is a root. It is not a fruit of your life. Love is not something you produce. Love is something you live out of. Faith is not something you can produce. Hope is not something you can produce. Those are roots that God has established into who you are. They're things you live out of. It's what you absorb all that God is doing with. Amen? So don't misunderstand your season. Look at the person next to you say, don't misunderstand. Remain rooted in faith, hope, and love. Without these what I've found is without these, this is where peace goes out the window. When we let go of faith, when we let go of hope, when we get let go of love, peace goes out the window. And then we become that insecure tree in the middle of winter trying to cover everything up because we think we have to do so much. But if you have faith, if you have hope, if you have love, then you can stand firm through every single storm that comes your way. Now, when you misunderstand your season, again, one of the biggest things that you begin to question is God himself. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing that? And this is so general. Like, I understand. There are people going through things in this room that I cannot even begin to understand. There are marriages that are, that are they're falling apart. There's finances that just, they, it's not going to work. I get it. I understand that there are difficulties and I get that it's, it's hard to sit there and say, well, you don't even understand what, what I'm going through. How can you tell me just to remain firm? The point is this, regardless of what you're going through, if we question the motives of God, that's when everything falls apart. That's when everything falls apart. Jesus guaranteed trials. He guaranteed tribulations. He guaranteed the winter is coming. He built it into the way our seasons work so that we could be reminded of it year after year after year. 
Seasons come and go. They come and go. But if we begin to question the motives of God, everything else in our lives falls apart. It just does. Massive shift from my own life was when I realized God's only motive towards me is love. His only motive towards me is love. That means if it's hard, it's because he loves me. If it's easy, it's because he loves me. If it's in between, it's because he loves me. If it makes sense, it's because he loves me. If it doesn't make sense, it's because he loves me. If I have enough, it's because he loves me. If I don't have enough, it's because he loves me. That can be so powerful if we can establish that in who we are. He loves me. Now everybody say, every season matters. Every season matters. Romans 8.28 says, And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. All things. Everybody say all things. That leaves no exceptions. That means you can't start inserting except for here, 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 and here. It says all things, every single circumstance, all things work together for the good of those who love him. Yeah, but what about my mistakes? What about the things that are my fault? All things. All things work together for the good of those who love him. Wait, what about the the things that that person did to me? And he says, no, no, all things. Even if you weren't morally responsible for the downfall of that situation, he says, all things will work together for the good of those who love him. All things. Everybody say all things. Not some things, all things. So just go with it. Let God do what God does. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Did you catch that? It is God who works in you. It is God. It is the roots that you have. It is God that works in you. We don't produce these things on our own. He's working in you. So let him. And again, sometimes your life, and again, connect the dots for your own self. Maybe you're in that springtime of promise. Maybe everything's going just the way it's supposed to go. And I pray that continues. I pray blessing over that season. I'm not here to say, oh, your life is supposed to be hard because you're a Christian. Like there's Christians that say that. Like your life is supposed to be hard. Because you're a Christian. What that is, is that's probably a Christian that's going through a winter season and they're just jealous that you have a spring season. It's just the honest truth. If you're in springtime, be in springtime. Live it up in springtime. Enjoy what God's doing. Enjoy the promise. Enjoy what God is speaking to your heart right now. Enjoy the blossoms that are coming out of you, the potential that God has placed inside of you. Enjoy the springtime. If you're in summer, man, Enjoy the summer. Enjoy the summer. It might get hot sometimes, but that's okay too. We'll lose weight. It's okay. Heat makes us lose weight. It's a good thing. Enjoy it. Enjoy everything that God is doing, the fullness of the leaves and the beauty, the, the greenness, everything that God does in the summertime. Enjoy it. You don't have to feel bad that your life is going good. You don't. And we need to be where we are at. You have to be present in the moment that God has you in. Otherwise, you're going to completely misunderstand your season. And this isn't just about those that are in the winter season. There are some of you that are in a summertime season, and you feel like you can't be happy about it. 
You can absolutely be happy about it. Throw a party. Invite me. We'll hang out together. It'll be fun. You're in summertime. Enjoy it. If it's autumn, if it's fall, enjoy it. Enjoy the harvest. Enjoy, enjoy the rewards for all the hard work that you put in throughout the whole summertime. Enjoy what God's giving you. Enjoy the blessings that he's, he's pouring into your life. You're going to have to work for it. Harvest means work. It means you're going to have to go out into the fields and pull, pull out what God is giving to you. But enjoy it. Enjoy the maroon sweaters all over the place. They're beautiful. Get some spiritual pumpkin spice latte in you. It's good. Enjoy it. Cuddle up next to a cozy fire. It's wonderful. And if you're in the winter, man, that's okay too. That's okay too. A lot of us, I think we think that winter's only a bad season. No, you know what's beautiful about when all the leaves are off? You can see further than you've ever been able to see before. There's so much clarity that comes when the leaves fall off. So much clarity. Pruning season. <laughs> pruning season is winter season. It's the, one of the most, it's one of the best times to prune. Towards the end of, right between autumn and fall, and right between uh, winter and spring. There's a reason for the winter. There's a reason for the difficulty. There's a reason for the harshness. There's a reason for the cold. Let God do what God is doing. Jesus tells us in the book of John, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. God is observing your life over the different seasons. And come winter, it's pruning time. It's time for him to be able to say, okay, this aspect of your life wasn't, wasn't producing much. Let's get rid of that. And that hurts. That's painful. It's a difficult thing when God begins to prune things off of our lives. But if we resist, unpruned branches can become diseased and they can infect everything else inside of you. You have to let God take off the things that are not of him in your life. Winter is for a reason. There is a purpose behind every season. There's a purpose for it all. So let God do what God is doing. Let God do what God is doing. And again, you can see further than you've ever been able to see before. Winter for me, the winter seasons, it's a time of reflection. It's a time where I begin to analyze my own life. I'm not talking about like actual winter. I'm talking about like the season of my life, winter. It's a time where I begin to reflect, God, what have you done? God, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? What is the fruit? What are the aspects of my life that are not pleasing to you? What are the things that I need to get cut off of me? And take it, God, take it, because I want to be the most beautiful tree that I could possibly be in your kingdom. I want to produce the most fruit that I can possibly produce, but part of producing the most fruit that you can possibly produce is actually embracing the winter season. It means you have to go through it. It means you have to go through it. And let's, go, let's just take this in one, one more direction. Some of you are going through some really hard things this morning. And you may think the Christian thing to do is pretend it doesn't exist. It exists. Cold exists, harsh weather exists, difficulty exists, pain exists. The answer is never to run away from it. The answer is always embrace the pain. There's a reason for it. Embrace the fact that it hurts. A lot of us try to convince ourselves it's not that bad. It's not, no, it's that bad. It is bad. Life gets bad. But if I have faith, hope, and love, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. My roots are in the ground. And so it doesn't matter how bad or how harsh the weather gets. Christ is my foundation. 
Jesus is my foundation. Hope, faith, love are my foundation. So be ready for anything. Look at the person next to you. Say, hey, get ready. Tell them like you care. Say, hey, get ready. <laughs> if there's something that I've, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm like such a systematic person. Like I have to, like my books, like when I stack books, they have to be like the proper width. You know, those books re- really frustrate me are the ones that are really wide and then really short. Those are stupid books. They don't fit on a bookshelf. Just make every book the same size, please. It's really annoying because I'm very systematic. And if it's not organized, if it doesn't look clear, if it, it just, it really irritates me. I just throw those books away. I don't even care what book. I just like, I'm done with this book. As a systematic person, I like to analyze life. I like to analyze the human species. I like to, I like to see if there's patterns. I like to see if, if it works like a certain way. And God said, no, <laughs> there's no formula to this thing. There's no formula. It's not predictable. Our seasons are fairly predictable, except for in Santa Fe. You can't predict seasons in Santa Fe. It's just awful. I mean, it's just, again, it's like winter and springtime or summer in the winter all of a sudden. Like, what is this 80-degree weather for Christmas? Like, it snowed yesterday. Sometimes the seasons of life aren't predictable the way we want them to be. But here's what I want you guys to understand this morning. Though your season may not be predictable, though your seasons may not be, you can't predict the way that it's all going to happen, you can be predictable. What do I mean by that? You get to choose today how you're going to respond tomorrow. You get to make a choice right now in this moment and say, okay, if life works in seasons, then when the winter season comes, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to throw my hands up in the air and curse the heavens and ask God why it's happening. I will remain rooted in love and hope and faith. Our circumstances may not be predictable, but you can be. You can choose that. You can choose that. And here's an example of that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul speaking. He's actually writing from prison. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. He's doing this play on words, the opposite, like the opposites of life, all this tension. I mean, there's those moments of plenty. There's those moments of need. There's those moments of abundance. And then there's those moments where you feel lower than an ant. And he's saying in every single season, I have found the secret. I have found the secret of what it is to be content in all circumstances. And here it is. We quote this all the time. Here it is. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The secret. Paul builds it up and then he gives you the very foundational secret of his entire life and ministry. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, Again, if you're in spring, if you're in summer, if you're in fall, if you're in winter, what is the proper posture? What is the proper response to get your heart ready for? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can receive promise. I can enjoy the summers. I can enjoy the fullness. I can, I can, I can work for the harvest and I can even endure the winter seasons. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? You have everything you need. As a Christian, you have everything you need. You are lacking nothing. The psalmist, David, he wrote 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What is he saying? Because God is with me, there is nothing I'm missing. There is nothing I'm missing. Don't misunderstand your seasons. You have everything you need to make it through your current one. He has equipped you for now. He has prepared you for now. For such a time as this, he has prepared you for now. So let's all take a stand as we close in prayer. I just want to invite you to just, just posture yourself in a, in, in a way to be open to receive from the Holy Spirit whatever it is he has for you in this season of your life. If that means raising your hands, sweet. If it means opening up your hands, sweet. If it means just standing there still, that's awesome too. Father, I pray, God, that every person here, Jesus, myself included, Lord, teach us, God, how to understand the season that we are in. God, how to see the season that we are in through your eyes. God, you're doing something. You're always doing something. God, if it's beautiful, it's beautiful. If it's painful, it's painful. But we know you are always moving, always doing things in our lives. Jesus, I pray over your people, God, over this congregation, that our hearts would be opened up to the possibilities of the season that you have us in. God, if we need some pruning, God, that's potential. Prune us. God, if, if, if we're just killing it, if life is just beautiful, that is beautiful potential, God. May we harness it. May we use it well. God, in everything, there is a time for everything. And in all seasons, there's a time for every matter under heaven. So Jesus, may we embrace that. May we live in the now. May we live in the now. And in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Let's do a shout of praise for our God.